Welcome to Gaia Rising, an exploration of human healing and evolution through storytelling. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Gaia Rising podcast. I'm joined here today by one of the most powerful men I think I've ever encountered in my life, a true leader, a true elder, true man living from a a state of embodiment that I can only aspire to come close to in my life. Uh, He's a leader in the men's workspaces. Uh, First met him through sacred sons. And um, I'm just so honored and so blessed to be here joined today by, by my brother by my my friend my mentor uncle vince matuska mm-hmm. thank you vince thank for you. coming on of course thank you so much for your very kind words it's really nice to <clears throat> great to be here with you yeah i appreciate you taking the time of course um, i know that we uh we've woven a couple times in some of the sacred mm-hmm. sun spaces and um i've been in some online groups with you and uh, have been really gleaning a lot of wisdom from you and uh, just mentioned kind of offhand last week on our call to hop into a podcast and you didn't even bat an eye. So I appreciate you just continuing to leap as I, as I see you do in your life often, you know, not even second guessing it, just, just tuning into that uh, intuition and just running with it. I wanted to, uh, start things off Vince just by asking you um what do you remember as your first or can you remember back to the first time you connected with the divine as a child Mm. what's your earliest memory yeah I do well my earliest memory is different than my first memory of connecting to the divine um the first time I had an experience of something beyond what I could express something beyond what I could put words to. I would say I was about <clears throat> maybe 13, maybe 14, some, or somewhere in that age range. I was in my bedroom. Uh, it was a typical night in my home. My father was drunk. My mom was going off on something. I have no idea. So there was chaos on the other side of the door. And at least in my room in that moment, I was kind of, quote unquote, in a safe space, if you will. And I literally, I was standing up, my eyes were closed, and I felt the stereotypical light, like I could see it in my mind's eye. This light was coming, shining down from someplace. And I knew instinctively, the only word I could ascribe to it was an angel of some kind, a messenger, an angel. And I heard very distinct words. And the words were, you have a choice. You're going to be choosing. You have to choose. And you can choose to do what your father's doing, i.e. continue down the line of being an alcoholic and have that as part of your life. My father was a very functional alcoholic. Always had a job, always had a house, always had food. He was a very good provider. But he was also very troubled and he came from a long line of alcoholics. And so there was, it was clear that there was a pathway for me to go down that road. Or that I could choose not to do that. And this spirit 
made it very clear it was up to me. And that there was no judgment. There was no you should or shouldn't or could like none of that. Just it was it was clearly I, I was at a fork in the road and the light was shined on that fork in the road. Hmm. And um, I chose not to go down that road. I knew that I could. I could end it with me, that cycle, that familial ancestral cycle could stop. And that it was actually my responsibility to stop that. And I'm not sure where that came from in a 13 or 14 year old, maybe 12. I don't remember. It was in that age range. I don't know where those thoughts could come from and that what I could only look back on as wisdom of some kind that wasn't mine. Certainly wasn't mine. I wasn't on the planet nowhere near long enough to have any wisdom whatsoever. But there was some inner knowing that was moving to and through me. So that, that I think, was just the first of my... I don't want to use the... I'm, I'm hesitant to use the term awakening. Um, it seems pretty grand and grandiose. Um, I would say... Oh, an expansion of my awareness of that, that there's things beyond what I know and what I see. I mean, I have those experiences on every weekend, on every circle, in every time I give myself permission to get empty and let go of an attachment to an outcome and step into the mystery, the mystery happens. And so... Um, uh, I've learned to walk in that world uh, comfortably, and um, it. I spent a lot of time as a musician, and songwriters. Even Michael Jackson talked about this. Prince talked about this. All great songwriters talk about the muse, and talk mm -hmm. about there's this, this almost like mm, jet stream of energy out there and if i allow myself to tap into it it's all there michael jackson would talk about i've got a he would talk about how hard he had to work and how much he had to write so that prince wouldn't get the songs that he would get them before prince did because he said if i don't get it prince will so and I, i've heard many songwriters talk about that so i i believe that there's there are there's energy and there's, for lack of a better term, entities from human material, from animal, especially where I live. I live in the nature, I live in nature. So the natural world is very prevalent in my life. Animals are very prevalent in my life. The spirit of animals are very pre prevalent in my life. I'm surrounded by that all the time. And I just have mm -hmm. to create an empty space within myself to, to tune into it to feel it, to, to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. I relate deeply to that. I feel like that's something I've just been tapping into perhaps in the past couple of years. Mm. Uh, but that idea that it's, it's always present. It's just, it's really just myself. Am, am I opening up to it, to what's there? Yeah. And, exactly. you know, it's interesting. I was raised uh, Eastern Orthodox Christian mm. and they mm. used to teach us when we were young they say no theosis without kenosis mm. uh, the theosis is is like becoming one with god 
and kenosis is to empty oneself yeah yeah uh, it's interesting how you know i've i've recently been kind of revisiting my roots and and seeing kind of a lot of these things full circle these themes of emptying oneself to allow in god energy uh to allow in guidance to allow in the muse and healing and whatever's the things that we're actually seeking for are right here mm -hmm. in front of us right in this very moment um and what a what a blessing <laughs> to discover or to remember um yeah in this journey yeah i know the spirit world is trying to talk to me all the time like all the time no matter where i'm at what i'm doing wherever i'm going they're trying to the they're trying to get my attention and it's up to me to pay attention and to be awake mm -hmm. and see and feel and interpret the signs. Um, I'm, I'm becoming more adept, more attuned, more receptive, especially in the work that I do. Um, and it's fabulous. I, I have more fun. I think I'm better at it now than I ever have been. And I'm also having way more fun and enjoying it more. And it's less taxing on me physically than it ever has been. Because I'm, I used to keep my spiritual practices and my spirit world over here and the work that I did over here. And I didn't really let those two worlds come together. And I, ha I have to say a lot of things. It's actually been my association with Sacred Sons that they welcomed both of all of those parts of me. And so I've been able to bring all of that together and bring, bring all of that to bear wherever I go, whatever circle, whatever weekend, whatever training I'm on. I'm not... <clears throat> When we say all of you is welcome here, that's a pretty common statement uh, in other men's organizations and the Mankind Project and Sacred Sons and others. We say that all of you is welcome here. I think for the first time in the last in the last several years, I'm really feeling that truly that all of me is really welcome and I don't have to keep parts away at all. Mm -hmm. And that feels beautiful. And that feels um, I feel grateful. I feel more like say more joy more alive and we I'm, I'm i'm a lot better at doing this work than i used to be um and um and I'm, i don't say that i try to say that with as much humility as possible maybe let me put it this way actually a better word is i'm more effective i'm far more effective than i used to be mm -hmm. yeah and i really enjoy that and i see the fruits of that real time and post and people reaching out to me all the time with such amazing appreciation and gratitude going, Oh my God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Oh my God. Um, so um, I'm deeply grateful for the learnings I've got so far. I know there's more to come and the, the, the more hollow I can stay mm -hmm. and the more I can uh, let go of any attachment to any outcome. I'm good to go. I'm good to go because I, I trust what wants to happen. I trust what wants to happen here. Yeah. yeah. And I see that, you know, I remember when I first witnessed you stepping into the circle at a, a Sacred Sons event and just, and even this most recent one we were both at in mm -hmm. uh, 
San Diego, outside of San Diego, like, mm -hmm. it's very clear to me, like, people can feel it when a man is speaking from the heart without script, mm -hmm. um, just allowing that, that clarity of your mm -hmm. channel, that openness, the void, and just mm -hmm. whatever is emerging, which you probably couldn't even repeat again. You couldn't remember what you even said, right? And, like, what you say... Not what a million years. Like making uh, <laughs> making guys get emotional, making guys get fired up, mm. and and bringing us all into remembrance of our true mm. falling, of our true power, of our true connection with ourselves, with each other, with spirit, and mm. that idea that all of us is welcome here. I really appreciated you bringing that in because that's that's something that even in my own journey into men's work, you know, there's always a there's always been a little shred of like or a little bit of resistance to like well you know they say that but like can i actually like I, like i don't even believe that all, all if all of me isn't welcome within myself how could it be welcome in a group of men <laughs> you know but then exactly. with with guys like you you know i love seeing that men in this movement are so raw so vulnerable so mm -hmm. real like that's how a man really shows his character is like how how much of your ugliness can you let out in this mm. the parts of yourself that you have rejected can you can you bring into this circle and know that it's well in trust mm. welcome here and uh yeah i, I would I reframe that a little bit i personally i would, would reframe you? that we yeah absolutely uh -huh. because i think we in this work especially when we talk about shadow work when we talk about working with these parts of ourselves that we hide, repress, and deny, the automatic connotation in that is that it's negative. Mm -hmm. It's the worst parts. And while I, while some of that's true, what I'm coming to understand more is that we spend way more time and we work way harder hiding, repressing, and denying our beauty, our gold, our brilliance than we ever do the parts of ourselves we don't want other people to see. Hmm. And if I have any job, per se, is to create a space so that you or whomever, so that I can see, feel, hear, understand what those blocks are what are those things those stories those beliefs those traumas that are in the way from letting my beauty out into the world from letting my gold out into the world for sharing why i was born out there like you're not you're not a mistake i don't believe that anybody's on this planet that's a mistake every one of us here in this particular moment in time to bring their beauty their medicine forward we all need each other's medicine. And if I withhold my medicine because I'm afraid of being seen, being heard, being loved, if I'm afraid I'm not good enough, then I'm depriving you, I'm depriving myself, I'm depriving my family, my friends, my community of maybe the very thing that it needs to heal itself in this moment. So the more I spend in not good enough, I don't know, not me. You wouldn't love me if you really knew me. Like if I, the more I spend in all those stories, the more time I spend in all those stories, the more I'm playing small, the more I'm depriving what my soul wants and my soul's crying out for. 
and I believe what your soul's crying out for. Um, and I'll just speak to one more thing because it, it came up while you were talking, at least for me. When I'm speaking in those circles, it's not really me. It's my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather and my great-great-grandfather. It's my ancestral line, my patriarchal and matriarchal ancestors line who's speaking through. It just happens to be my body and my voice, but it's not really me who's talking. It's all these books I've read, all these amazing teachers that I've been around. It's all the, everything that I've amalgamed into my learning. That's who's talking. No, it's not me per se. I, I'm just the vessel at the moment. I'm the loudest guy in the room at the moment. That's it. You know, <laughs> by virtue of my position and time in and being willing to take responsibility and being held accountable as a leader, I, I get to say some things that maybe not everybody in the room gets to say. But mm -hmm. that's because I've, I and we, all these books and teachers have worked our ass off to earn the right to be there and the next time it'll be you and the next time it'll be somebody else whoever that is mm -hmm. yeah yeah i appreciate you bringing that through um i like this idea of or what i'm what i'm hearing is or sensing is this you've rid yourself of yourself a little bit you've cleared the way God, I try. I try yeah. so hard. <laughs> well, and you can thank yourself, right? There's I no part try. of us. There's no part of yeah. us that is cast out, right? There's no part right. of us that's rejected. And so even that part of you that is that piece that mm -hmm. is you, that is this body and this vessel mm -hmm. that's trained itself perhaps to listen more than to speak mm -hmm. and to just <laughs> be flowing, let flow through it what is coming through it that is not it's not claiming ownership of either um it's that that consciousness that is vince matoska is a part of that a piece of that puzzle is actually the perhaps like the most vital piece that could sure. bring it all together you know because sure. that is your gold that you're talking about it's it's not your yeah it's, it's beautiful of you to not claim ownership of it mm. and kind of a both and though too it's like you you dug for it too and, and it's digging the well right mm. to to allow the spring to flow for sure i mean i've done a lot of work personal development work i have so much more to go i'm i'm not done in any way shape or form but i have worked hard to give myself permission to be quote unquote me fully me fully present when i show up places and to take risks to be bold, to trust. Again, when I talked about that difference between my ceremonial world and every all the rest of it, I would, especially in the healing work that I that I do, things come to and through me, and I what they are, and I don't question. Them. And when people come up to me afterward and say, "Well, you did this, you did what about that?" I pause them and I go, "I." Number one, I don't know what you're talking about. Number two, I could, how could I possibly explain to you a world that if it really, if I really opened myself up to it, or if it really allowed me to see it, I'm sure I would explode. There's no possible way for me to comprehend what's happening. 
So I'm just a humble person. I'm just like, I'm just a, I'm just a person. So if I listen properly, they'll keep talking to me. If I listen and take action to what they tell me to do, they'll keep talking. If I cut them off, they'll find somebody else to talk to. The song will be written by somebody else. I mean, I forget the two ladies. I was remembered a story, these two authors. It'll come to me. One had an idea for a book. And she had it percolating. She had the whole storyline, like it was all there percolating. But she put it off, she put it off, she put it off, she put it off. And she met this other author, and they became really good friends. And just, they were at a party, and the wine was flowing, and everything's going. And they wake up to each other. Oh, my God, good, great to see you. And they kissed each other. They kissed each other on the lips. It was just a spur-of-the-moment thing. That other author wrote that book, the exact book. And they said, it was the kiss. I wasn't producing it. The muse kept trying to get me to do it. And I wasn't doing it. I had too many other things going on. And when we kissed, the idea went straight to the other person. And she wrote the identical book. They never spoke about it till after the book was done. They're like, oh, my God. So... My job, my hope, my goal, my purpose in quote-unquote showing up is to really be a vigilant listener, like really listen. Listen with my eyes, listen with my senses in my body, yeah, listen with my ears, listen with the words I speak, the words that I hear, listen to what is the environment's telling me at any given moment. I mean, we did multiple things on the weekend. We moved from here and we went there and we went there and we did this. That was all instant in the moment. There was no planning of any of that. When the tree talks to me and says, over here, that's where we're going. I don't ask why. I don't need to know. I couldn't understand if you, I couldn't, there's no way possible. There's no possible way for me to know. So I just listen. And that takes, that's taken a lot of work for me to get the shit out of the way, <laughs> to get the stories, to get all the stuff, all the clingy stuff out of the way mm-hmm. so that I can listen. You know, I want to be the hollow tube. It was, it was either Rumi or Hafiz, I can't remember which one, that said to be the hollow tube that the voice of God blows through, the hollow reed that the voice of God blows through. Yeah. I want to be that. The flute. That is my goal. If I'm attached to anything, it's I'm attached to being empty. Ideally, that's what I'm attached to. Was there a moment where you became that hollow tube where you you chose and devoted and dedicated your life where you stepped into that? Mm, there wasn't, there's not a single experience that's gotten me at least to who and where I'm at at the moment. It's like there's multiple curtains over a window. And each one of those experiences, I'm just opening that curtain a little more and a little bit more light comes through, a little bit more knowing comes in, a little bit more, oh, yeah, right, right, I remember, or that's right, I read that somewhere, or I felt that somewhere. There's a a re-remembering over and over again. For me, 
Sometimes it takes a feather and some air. Sometimes it takes a hammer and a baseball bat across the forehead for me to like really get it. So, and that's just my personal experience is what I also get. I mean, you've experienced this as well. When we're doing this type of work, masculine or feminine, when somebody's working or multiple people are processing, the witnesses are processing as well. I, as the facilitator, I'm processing. I mean, you saw me on the weekend multiple times processing while I was processing somebody. It's not like I'm immune. I'm crying too. I'm going through it too. It's touching all those parts of me. So the more I step into the pain, the suffering, the grief, the sadness, the hopelessness, I also get to experience what's right on the other side of that, which is the joy and the peace and the divinity and the the awe of being alive in a human form on this planet. The more I do it, the easier it becomes for me to move through into and through those worlds. The more I work with people and go on their journey with them, the more opens up for me and the more, the more solid I become. I, I use the metaphor often on weekends for men. I'm a rock. I'm a tree. You're not going to move me. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do that's going to make me run in this moment. You can tell me the most horrific thing in the world. You can tell me all your pain and suffering. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to abandon you like every other guy's done, like you've done to yourself. I'm not fucking moving. That provides a, I say that to them, but I'm also saying out loud so I can hear it and remind myself I'm, I'm, I'm as grounded as a person you're going to have in front of you ever. And I ain't afraid of nothing that you bring. There's nothing you can bring that's going to make me move. So I do that to remind myself who and why I'm there. I also do that to inspire the men and women who are around me. You Mm -hmm. too can be a tree. You too can be a rock. Mm -hmm. You too can be the water. Mm -hmm. So often in the spiritual world, we spend so much time trying to ascend and to grow into the ethereal, into the air, into the water and the flow. We forget that we're made of minerals. We're made of iron and calcium. And like we are, I am a rock. So without those roots, without that solidity, it's very, you're not going to be, I can't go there if I'm not here and grounded. It's not possible for me. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it with, especially with young people over and over, they spend so much time at festivals and so much time in ceremony over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. They have no roots. You got no roots. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're hungry. They're so hungry for roots. (laughs) They're also so hungry for something solid because there's everything is flow. 
and it can't be everything that's flow because the water flows over and through rocks. It's always what's underneath every river, bedrock. So you got to have both. Mm-hmm. I can't flow without the solidity. Mm-hmm. And that's part of my learning along the way. I've become more solid within myself of who and what I am and what and who and what I'm capable of doing. My God, it's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I've been a rock a long time now, but I've been, <laughs> I've been a rock in different ways. I've been a rock in, you can't tell me anything. I know what's right. Um, I've been the, 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 uh, the hubris of youth to not, to not so, so sure, cocksure of myself that Nothing you could tell me. I've been that kind of rock. Of course, I've been a musician. I've been that. I've, I've lived in the rock world, so I, I know that <laughs> world too. Um, the rock that I am now, the rock that I am now, when I say those words, a rock or a tree, What I'm trying to touch is this part of a person that's been abandoned over and over and over. The part of them that doesn't trust because they've been abandoned by everybody, including themselves. And what I'm trying to demonstrate to them, maybe for the very first time, a mature masculine who isn't going to leave you. Mm -hmm. I will run into the building that's on fire. Mm -hmm. I will run in and try to save you. Like, no question. I've done it. Mm-hmm. So, and then what I'm, in doing that, I'm trying to spark the part of them that is that too. Because mm-hmm. you are that. You are mm-hmm. that solid solidity. And so I'm trying to re- remind you to find a little pilot light, to light that light up again, to remind you, you too are solid. Mm-hmm. Yes, mom might have left. Yes, dad might have left. Yeah, maybe you've got two or three divorces. Maybe your life is just absolutely fucked. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, for the first time, you don't have to abandon yourself anymore. And so maybe you can, you know, like the old, like the old warriors would stake themselves in the ground with a leather thong in front of the enemy. I'm not moving and I'm going to be here till the death. Are you willing to fight for yourself that hard? Are you willing to fight for somebody else that hard? So that's what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm putting a stake in the ground Mm -hmm. and something shifts in their eyes. When you, when you're that solid with somebody, Everything changes. Their whole countenance changes. The tone of the voice changes. Their eyes change. The way they hold themselves changes. It literally does spark that part of them. It brings that part online like, yeah, I got a backbone too. I don't have to keep running from myself. I don't have to keep running from the things I'm afraid of. I don't have to keep running to the things I shouldn't be running to and using the things I shouldn't be using. I could actually just like ground in for a moment 
be fucking solid. What would your friends and family think about you if you showed up to the next dinner, the next Christmas thing, the next Thanksgiving, and you were solid? Regardless of whatever was going on, the typical family thing, like you were the center of the storm and you were not moving. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking the bait this year. I'm not going down that same old thing with grandpa. I'm not doing that same thing what I always do with my dad. I'm solid. I don't think there's a human being on the planet who doesn't want to sense that and have a sense of that within themselves. I know I need it. <clears throat> and it helps me. It helps remind me that I can take anything that anybody brings. Bring it. And I imagine that that solidity that I'm not going anywhere, that that mm-hmm. ability to meet a space that's typically abandoned. You had to do that with yourself. Hundred percent. You could do it with for anyone Absolutely. else. The part of yourself that you had abandoned in your life totally. had to be reclaimed and to be in what you're speaking of is is cultivating that yeah within each of each of ourselves and that that is possible and that you are living proof i am living proof when we are in this mm. frequency when we are in remembrance of this truth that we are already here we are already complete it's just mm. will we continue abandoning that belief mm. or even that truth yeah. um because a lot of this is i mean i i see a lot of this reality is really just um, a giant script and a giant movie of, of like the most epic love story of all time. Like, will <laughs> we step into that hero role mm-hmm. and be the mm-hmm. hero of our own story? Exactly. You know, will we heal all the things that have been broken and will we bring our higher selves into embodiment in this lifetime? That's why we come back here again and again and again to hone and sharpen mm. love, unconditional love, deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm. I wanted to to make sure we had time to visit some of your past, um, some of the darkest moments of your past, specifically mm. around suicide, which mm. I know you have a deep relationship with. Mm. Um, and even especially from this context of being the rock, of, of being for life, mm. for love, helping men step into this role as, as the hero, as the men were called to be. And yet mm. you years ago we're on the opposite end of the spectrum with with a, a son right and on the the verge mm-hmm. of taking your own life mm-hmm. would you talk a little bit about that in this context sure. and how you move through sure. that and anyone listening may have sure. some connection to that yeah well firstly i still move through that i mean it's not it's nowhere near as prevalent the thoughts and the beliefs are nowhere near as prevalent as they used to be <clears throat> but it still comes up Um, I spent the better part, I would say, of my late 20s, 30s, and 40s depressed, probably bipolar, and more often than not, convinced to listen to the stories in my head that told me that the world would be better off without me that I didn't belong here. I should pay for all my sins, those I created and those I didn't. And I spent, oh my God, so much time alone and in darkness. 
And, you know, even Robin Williams talked about this. I'd go out, I'd be, I was doing stuff. I had a job. I'd go to gatherings. I'd go to parties. I'd go doing stuff. And in, even in a crowded room, I was like, I got to get out of here and not just leave the party. I mean, like, I've got to leave this existence. I should leave this existence. There was this voice constantly trying to convince me <clears throat> to check out. And yeah, there was a few times that I sat on the floor with a gun in my mouth, ready to go. And as I told uh, at that um, convergence a couple of years ago, when I told that story to those men, what kept me from do a couple of things kept me from doing it. One, I remember a story that my dad told. He had a best friend in high school. And one day his best friend came to school and he wasn't the same person. Like he was completely different. And finally, eventually they had a conversation and his best friend one day after school, again, they're in high school. I don't remember what grade came home, went into the garage and found his father in the garage had blown his head off with a shotgun. And the impact that that had on that young man changed him forever. That was one piece I had. Another piece I had from psychology was statistically, once somebody in a family system commits suicide, I forget the average, the percentage, how it goes up. But from that point forward in that family system generationally, the chance of suicide escalates thousand percent. So I had that piece going on in my head. And then I had the piece of, at that particular time, I was living uh, in an, a little apartment, little tiny apartment in Santa Barbara. And my son, I had joint custody with my son and he'd be with me one week and he'd be with his mom a week. And some of these darker times were when he was gone and I would be sitting on the floor thinking about this and a couple of times, like say with a gun in my mouth, and then in my mind, I would play out the scene. What's going to happen afterwards? Well, it's Tuesday. My son won't get here till next Monday. So there's uh, about six days that I'm going to be laying here on the floor. And he's going to come home and he's going to open the door. And he's going to find the stench and the smell in my bloated body with my brain scattered all over that's going to be the last image he sees of me. What's that going to do to his life? What's that going to do to my grandson's life? What's that going to do to the generations? I said I wasn't going to continue my father's thing at 12 or 13. I said, you know, I'm not doing that thing. But here's just another manifestation of that, the self-destructive behavior. And it just actually now, as we're talking about it, it occurs to me, I've just tied those two things together, that self-destructive behavior. <clears throat> so when those in that twice in those when that happened I, I played that scenario out and then because I had was starting to do men's I was doing men's work at that time as well and I knew the ramifications thought about my friends like, and especially now like all the people who quote unquote look up to me and see me as a mentor and somebody to help inspire them. 
what kind of an impact might it have on all of those people if I did that? So I had to each time just dig myself out of that hole. And it was a very deep, very black, very slimy, very hard to get a hold of those rocks to climb myself back out of that hole time and time again. And by some miracle, I don't really know how, I've done it over and over again. And what's great, what's helped me stay out of that hole is service, showing up for others. When I get myopic and when I get depressed, it's because I'm only thinking about myself, what I have, what I don't have, what I should have done, what I shouldn't have done, what I could have done, what was given to me, what wasn't given to me, who loved me, who didn't love me. Like I'm all in this wrapped up in this world of me, 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 me. And when I'm focused on me, 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 life sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> but when I'm focused on you, when I'm focused on community, when I'm focused on showing up to a weekend and being there a thousand percent, giving every ounce I have, it's because, well, you heard me share a little bit about this at the end of this last weekend. I don't want you to suffer like I did. I don't want anybody to go through what I went through. There's a juxtaposition in that because my suffering made me who I am today, right? It bent me, it molded me, it shaped me to be who I am. Without the suffering, no guy showing up on a weekend trying to help. So I get that intellectually, and it's, it, it, it has been so painful. And I see the pain, the gut-wrenching pain in the people that come to these weekends, how much turmoil they're, they're in, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I really want to take that away. Now, I know I can't take it away. And who, who am I to even think that I should or shouldn't do that? Because I don't know what your path is. I don't know what you have to go through to become your best you. But I know checking out ain't it. In all the ways we choose to check out. I know that's not it. Now, I can't take your lessons away from you. I can't take my lessons away from me. But damn, I, I don't want people to have to suffer like that. I know what it feels like. Like we had a guy on the weekend, this last weekend. I can't remember if you were there. And we had a man that we that I was working with. And at one point in time through his process, first he, he got a lot of rage out. He was able to get through a lot of rage and anger. Which is good. That's usually the cork for men, for the masculine top layers anger and rage and then we get underneath we can get that cork out of the way then the sadness and the grief and the despair finally has a chance to flow out and so first he got a lot of rage out and then through all that rage he started to open a little and he started to cry and then he stopped and he says i need to tell a story and i go and as the facilitator i was like i don't want to go into story right now like i had the voice in my head going no 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 words no words but I, I let him. And luckily, the story was very short. And the story was, my father blew his brains out four years ago. 
and that reverberated. It was like literally a bomb went off in that circle of 30 guys and everybody dropped. Like we were all in tears. We all fell apart. Well, that really hit me. He didn't know me. He didn't know my backstory. He didn't know who I was. So I'm holding him and he's got his head here and he's bawling like a little baby. And I'm holding him while I'm also holding myself. And I'm feeling all the feels of here it is right here, Vince. Here's what suicide does. This is the impact it has. Not just on this man, it literally, like I saw the shock waves go right through that circle and everybody went. So I, man, I got to work. Those voices still come in my head. I still have those moments. That's why I do my gratitude journal. That's why I'm always in appreciation. That's why I do this work all the time. That's why I try really hard to show up for other people. So when my mind, my body, my tendency, my temperament wants to send me back down in that hole one more time, I can hopefully not go down that road quite so far. Or I can go look in the hole and kind of peer over the edge and go, hmm, yeah, I know it's down there. Sure, ugly and slimy down there. God, I always get so muddy and shitty when I go down there. Uh, maybe I'll slip. Maybe I'll just like start to get in a little bit and then and climb out. The, what we talk to people about all the time, what I try to talk to people about all the time, you've got so many people you can reach out to. Men don't do that. I don't do that. I'm very bear-like. A lot of men are very bear-like. When we get wounded, when we get hurt, we go in the cave and we lick our wounds until we feel strong enough to come back out again. That's that's tr very true. And it's a great metaphor. That's what bears do. They get a big cut. They go get the right herbs. They eat the right things. They go hide because they can't defend themselves. They can't hunt like they normally would. They can't take care of themselves like they normally would. And they lick their wounds till they get stronger. And then they come back out. Well, I know very few people who can do that healthily. Mm -hmm. When my friends disappear on me and they don't call for a while, or I don't call them for a while, I know something's up. And it's always true every single time. And because they feel guilt, they feel shame, they don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want to be seen as weak. I want to be seen as this rock and this tree. So the last thing I want to do is reach out and call you and say, guess what? I don't, life sucks. I hate everything. I hate myself and go down that litany of all that stuff. That's the last thing I want to do. I don't want you to see me that way. And that's the same thing every single man I've ever met says basically that exact, those exact words. But that's exactly what they need to do is reach out so you're not in there alone. That's why we have the brotherhood. It's why we have the connection. It's why we have the community. So you don't have to do it alone anymore. At least talk about it. Hey, I'm scared. Hey, I'm pissed. Hey, I'm lonely. Hey, I fucked this up. And I just don't want to talk to anybody. Okay, I hear you don't want to talk to anybody. Thank you for calling me and telling me you don't want to talk to me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. 
I'm here. Do you want me to call you? Do you want me to just leave you alone? Would you be willing to call me in three days? Just let me know you're okay. Like that little lifeline of love Mm -hmm. is so important that there's somebody out there who actually gives a shit. And during those decades, I didn't believe anybody gave a shit about me. I didn't believe anybody loved me. I didn't love myself. I couldn't find that within myself. So it was very difficult, certainly, for me to find it, to believe that all the symbols, all the things around me, all the people around me who were showing up, giving me nothing but love and appreciation, it was very difficult for me to believe that and let that in and trust that. Like I was worthy. Am I really worthy of being loved? It took me a long time. <laughs> <laughs> to rewrite that script, bro. Well, it's a long time, a long painful time. God. And it's it's like a uh it's like a it's like a sickness, you know? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people think that, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people are under that impression, under that belief system. And I'm glad sure. you brought in that piece about the the bear licking its wounds and like mm-hmm. kind of the lone wolf thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's great if you're a bear. But mm-hmm. we're human. Mm-hmm. You know, and nowhere in the yeah. world do you find humans out on their own, crossing the Serengeti by themselves, <laughs> living in a mm-hmm. hunter-gatherer existence alone. Like mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. pack animals, yeah. and that's just a fact, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I personally, I think that there's there is a place, you know, for space and honoring people's freedom of choice mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Also, like when it comes to my friends, like I don't tolerate bullshit, and I don't mm-hmm. want them to tolerate it in me either. And like mm-hmm. as soon as all into that old story of me me i can do it myself it's all me i have to do it like this that's the old pattern mm. you know i think that like i i i sense you know uh thiknan han talks about the age of the guru is over like the new mm. guru the sangha is the com- the mm. new guru is the community mm. this is the age we're entering you know reclaiming mm. these parts of ourselves that have been abandoned like we've been talking about and we have to do it. I, I've been shown through my guidance mm-hmm. directly that mm-hmm. this work is meant to be done together. When I'm this, what you were sharing about earlier with uh, turning inward and this sort of black mm-hmm. hole within ourselves, that that's not the way forward. It's not turning mm-hmm. inward, turning out and, and, mm-hmm. and being vulnerable and seeking help and, and doing this thing together this time, not alone, you know, not this mm-hmm. whole like, because if you even understanding it from a, a perspective of divide and conquer, you know, like mm-hmm. a bunch of disempowered men who are all alienated from one another is the perfect situation for brainwashing and controlling populations, <laughs> you know, and, sure. uh, and this is all just a game. But like, that's that's the programming that we're we're transcending. Mm-hmm. now. And I, I would venture to say that the only way forward is together. Yeah. Another way, yeah, for sure. And another way that to kind of create some space in that is to is to pull that p- apart. And rather than saying I'm depressed or I'm lonely or I'm scared, a part of me, a part of me feels this way, not all of me. And if I can create that distance and let that part of me have a voice and an experience. Well, who's to say that it's really me depressed? Maybe I'm 
channeling a great archetype of some kind. Maybe there's some spirit. This is how I've come to believe now, and I, I frame the work that I do, is that different spirits, different energy comes into the circle, and it's constantly flowing. At any given moment, there's this new energy or entity coming in, whatever that is. Well, how is that circle in that group of 10, 20, 30, 50 people very different than me? Is it really me that's depressed right now? Or am I, well, I was talking about the muse and the jet stream of picking up the songs. Am I just connected into the jet stream of depression right now and grief? Because grief isn't mine. The collective conscious grief, humans have been feeling grief since the beginning of time. So... Is it really me and mine, or am I just allowing that to move through me at this moment? And if I'm really good, i.e. separated and being the observer of the experience, then I could let that come through without attachment, to be hollow, and just to let it flow through, rather than clinging into, oh, this is me, I'm this, I'm this experience. Uh, you know, I'm no great philosopher. I've, I've read a couple of books. I, I, I quote unquote know a few things, but it sure would have been helpful for me to have somebody say something like that to me during those times that I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my beliefs. I'm not what I'm experiencing right now. I'm so much more. And what would it be like if you just let that be? Because that's what we do on those weekends. On all these weekends, we allow what wants to arise to arise, and we just stay with it until it moves. It always moves. Mm -hmm. It's never permanent state, ever. And the reason why it becomes quote-unquote work and it becomes so hard is because we're so resistant to it. I don't want to feel the anger, so I push it down. I hide. I repress it. I don't want to feel the sadness. I don't want to feel the grief. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Oh, I can't think of her name right now. It'll come to me. Um, she wrote the book, Learning to Stay, the Buddhist monk. Um, God, I see your face. She talked about being in an ashram. And she said, you would think that being in an ashram, everybody's love and light, everybody gets along, everything's wonderful. And she laughs. She goes, that ain't it at all. There's still all the stuff that happens on the outside of the ashram is happening on the inside of the ashram. The personality conflicts, the jealousies, all that stuff is there. And she talked about this woman who was very upset with her and came to her for something. I don't remember exactly what it was. And was very angry. And she kept kind of doing all this, as we do, these sideways subconscious behaviors to let that anger out. And finally, Pema, that's it, Pema Chodra. Pema finally got her to sit across from her and just be in it. Like make eye contact. We're just going to sit here and whatever's going to come is going to come. And that became part of her practice. And Every one of these emotions, she said, it wasn't more than anywhere from 40 seconds to a minute, minute and a half. And then it was flowed through and it was gone. 
but we hang on. I hang on to the pain. I hang on to the trauma. I hang on to the story that I created when the incident happened. I'm, I'm literally clenching onto that thing and not, and it feels so big and it feels so powerful and it feels so immovable rather than opening up, letting the grief, letting the anger, letting the sadness flow for the minute or two at the most, it's going to flow and poof, it's gone. And we see that happen over and over on those weekends. If I'm we're doing anything, it's allowing a space for what wants to arise to arise, being witness to it, holding it, holding the person through it, so they can get to that space on the other side to, well, well now what do you want to put in that space? You had all that grief you were hanging on to, and now you've let it go, right? My God, I don't feel that anymore. No, you don't feel that anymore. What do you want to put in there? Well, I want to be joyful. I want to be peaceful. I want to be loving. Yeah, you want to put love in there. How about some love? What would it be like if you were more loving? What, what might that look like? What might you do? What kind of person might you become if you were a little bit more loving? What are the things you would do in your life? It's amazing. But you can't get there without creating some space, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, letting that other stuff pass through. And I know for me, I clung, I was afraid of the feelings. I was afraid of what they might do. I was afraid of who I was if I had the feelings, who I would become. And it took years and years and years of circles and work to, and support from other people. A lot of men in my life held me when I yelled and screamed and cried and shook my fist at the world and at God to get all that shit out to not hang on to it anymore and I know you know I I don't talk about it too much but I got diagnosed with prostate cancer a few years ago and I have no doubt in my mind it was that hanging on to the pain and the anger and all that righteousness all that shit that created that I have no doubt whatsoever. Now, there may be some genetic things in my family. I don't know. I don't know of any. But that's that story makes sense to me because I hung on mm-hmm. to a lot of stuff. Well, what in, what's that going to create? It's going to create some ill health, yeah. man. It's going to create some dis-ease. Yeah. I got it. You're being so, a, um, a tight ass. <laughs> yeah, I'm just being a tight ass. Hanging on. All that tension. Hanging all that tension down there. Hanging on. God damn. <laughs> Like all the great teachers tell us, can I let go of what no longer serves? Is is my story serving? Is my victimhood serving me? Is my self-righteousness serving me? Are my fears serving me? So much we do out of fear. We're afraid of dying. We're afraid of, we're so afraid of dying, we don't live. And Damn, that's a terrible story. That's a horrible story. Yeah. So creating space and, and, and flipping a script, rewriting the story, mm-hmm. whatever whatever every person's story is. Mm-hmm. Like the guy whose father killed himself, he created a lot of stories out of that. And what he made it mean about him his bloodline, his family line. And he was able to come out of that and tell a different story. Incredible man. He speaks 
former meth addict, speaks five or six languages fluently, writes poetry in all of those languages, and at the end of the weekend, stands up and tells the first, he was in a Spanish class, his first Spanish class, he wrote the most beautiful poem. And he said it in Spanish, and then he said it in English. And it was just so beautiful, it was heartbreaking. This man who had spent his life trying to destroy himself. True, in every way he possibly could. But inside, he's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. He has so much beauty to bring. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, he finally had enough space and enough beauty and enough love within himself to share that with all of us. Mm -hmm. And I, I bet, I bet in that moment, he never felt so seen. He never felt so heard. He never felt so beautiful. Like he never felt, I bet he never felt more that he belonged than he did in that moment. Yeah. So that's some of the stuff we get to do. That's what I get to be witness to. And when I see that, of course it affects me. Of course it helps heal me. Sure. Absolutely. hundred percent. That's mm -hmm. just one more step along in my healing journey to be able to be witness to such incredible beauty. I love I love that theme that you're you're tying in sort of the the collective healing experience with the individual. There's no separation, you know, and that mm. that piece you were talking about with the being the witness of of you know and separating, stepping back and observing mm -hmm. the story, observing the energies that, and letting them be fully felt. Which, yeah, one of my teachers talks about that. He says the energy cannot move unless it's felt. And I was really in that with what you were saying and. This whole piece, though, around, you know, we're we're training and sharpening each other in these and building these muscles of allowing the waves of energy to move through us, which mm -hmm. we can practice on an individual level. But that requires a lot of development and a lot of practice, you know, and in the be especially in the beginning of our journey, I think when I was saying earlier, or, or as we've been talking about this collective doing the work together, mm -hmm. like much easier to have others witness us especially early on in our in our journey i'd say witnessing ourselves which is maybe we could call the act of meditation or like what we're achieving mm -hmm. through that practice is like a, a level of self-mastery i'd say is like an ascended master status where maybe eventually i think the the goal is for all of us to to be in a space of so much awareness so much consciousness mm -hmm. uh embodiment in that way that we can literally process anything and everything happening in our experience and in each other at any time. Like that's what we're moving yeah. toward. Right. Um, but we're all just training each yeah. other in spaces as well. So it's cool that they're, yeah. they're. Yeah, for sure. I remember early on when I would, when I was more of a staff man than a leader in these circles and I would hear leaders say, <clears throat> those men talking about the initiates that were coming to the weekend, won't go anywhere we're not willing to go, where we haven't gone first. So it's part of my path and walk as a quote-unquote integrated man, fully able to express myself in 
hopefully all the ways and, and more ways that I'm learning to express myself. If I'm not willing to go to those places, I I can't hold a space for you to go there. Yeah. And there's going to be a part of you that knows that and won't mm-hmm. trust me and won't trust that I got you if I create a space for you to go there. Mm-hmm. So I fully let myself go 100%. Mm-hmm. Now, I let a part of me go because I'm still a leader and I'm still leading a team and I'm still leading a weekend. So while I'm going on this journey with this person, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, I'm also mm, just back enough to I don't fully fall in. I don't let myself go all the way in there with them, but uh, they're not in there alone. Mm -hmm. And the more I emote, the more that I allow myself to feel those feels, that collective thing happens. Like Mm -hmm. everybody goes, Mm -hmm. I'm not ignoring or pretending that what's happening in front of me is not happening. Yeah. That the story's not touching me. But you're maintaining the observer role at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel those waves. Like when he said, you know, my father killed himself. Woof. That was a big wave that took me under for a minute. Right. And I got under, swung myself back up to the surface, got some air. Okay. Yeah. Well, this isn't a mistake. I'm holding him <laughs> in this moment. That didn't it's, just happen. It just came for you, too, <laughs> as much as him, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, yeah. why was that guy on my team? Like, yeah. why, was, why was he there with us expressing that in this moment? That's yeah. not a mistake. Yeah. Nothing I don't, well, the story I tell myself is that's not a mistake. And that's part of my learning one more time to see, yeah, look. Mm-hmm. Look one more time at this. Look at this abyss. Look what happens. Look at the impact. Intention. I don't want to feel the feelings I'm feeling anymore. I don't want to be a burden on people. I don't want to continue to carry the weight. Impact. How could he not tell me? How could he not tell us what was going on? Look at what he left behind. So there's a huge discord between the intention versus the impact. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in Buddhist tradition, we talk about compassion all the time. Compassion and empathy. And that most things come from a place of ignorance. They don't come from a place of malice. They usually come from a place of ignorance. We don't know what we don't know. And when I suffer, when I'm in the hole, I forget, I forget that I know what it's like to be outside of the hole because all there is, is the hole. It's Mm -hmm. all there is. There's just darkness. There's no light. And so I need people to remind me, Hey bro, Mm -hmm. in your back left pocket, you have a lighter and in your, right pocket there's a candle (laughs) light the candle it won't be so dark you'll Uh see the steps if you light the candle you can get out of here and and if i can you know part of my job as well is to take the candle that's burning inside of me this flame of love and light and passion for this work is to hopefully light everybody's candle in the room Mm -hmm. 
when I have those moments to inspire others to this moment to talk to you and hopefully however many people are going to watch this is to remind every one of you, you have a lighter and you have a candle and you got kindling and you got wood. You can build a fire Mm -hmm. and you can, that fire of passion and love and light that's in your life. You can light up the night sky and you can remind me, right, right, right. I have a fire too. You can help me light mine, relight mine when it goes out and the wind gets too strong and it blows out. You can help me relight my light. I, I use this analogy all the time, my Trader Joe's analogy. When I walk in that store, my job is to light them up. Yeah, you're doing this. You're standing on your feet all day long. You're checking people out. Nobody knows you. Nobody talks to you. Nobody mm-hmm. says your name. My job is when... Whoever I face in that store, whoever I encounter in that store, when I leave that store, they got a smile on their face. Mm -hmm. That's my job. They got a smile on their face. They got a laugh and their eyes have completely shifted. Mm -hmm. It's a motorboat going across a lake. We're always going to leave a wake behind us. Am I leaving a wake of love and goodness and kindness and gentleness and inspiration? Or am I leaving a wake of pain and suffering? Mm -hmm. Because I'm having, we all have an impact. No matter what we do, no matter where we go, we are having an impact on the people and places and things around us. So, who am I being in every moment? How am I being? Who am I being that can leave the greatest mm, impact in that moment? And I'm not doing it, taking a selfie and or filming myself doing that thing so I can post it online so everybody can see, oh, what a great guy Vince is. Look at that. He just did that thing. No, I'm out there actually doing it. No. It's the can do it. It's the things done in secret, right? Like absolutely. Most potent. Absolutely. Yeah. And the things, you know, Wayne Dyer talked about. It. You have the initial act. I do something good for you. Mm-hmm. And you feel better and I feel better. Our serotonin levels shift. Our biology shifts. I've done something that pleases you. You smile. Everything shifts within you. There's that thing. But there's the other part of when it's witnessed. The people that happen to be standing around or happen to be walking by when they see a good deed done. And I forget how exactly what the study was around that. But it can, it's literally like a ripple in a pool. It goes out forever. Right? It's one thing for the initial thing, but it's another thing if it gets witnessed. And I know the story I tell my, well, I know it happens in the store. When I'm, when I do those little acts of kindness in the store, I see the other people in line looking and they shift and they smile and they go, wow, that person just did that really cool thing. Yeah. They just did something really nice for somebody. Now I did it. I feel better. That person received it. They feel better. The other person got it. They feel better. Well, how many lives of that person, at least the checkout counter, is going to interact with another 500 to 1,000 people today? So how is that interaction going to change? For the rest of the day, 1,000 people got a smile they probably wouldn't have gotten before. And they got yeah. a completely different person that they wouldn't have had before. And yeah. then that person's going to go home. Those 1,000 people are going to go home. Maybe they're going to be a little bit nicer. They're going to pet their cat rather than kick their cat when they get home. They're going to be nicer to their kids when they get home. They're going to be nicer to their spouse when they get home. Yeah. And they're going to tell a story. Hey, I was at work today and this guy, this random guy bought me a bag of 
I said, he asked me what I liked. And I said, I like those new chocolate peanut butter cup things. He gave me a bag of those chocolate peanut butter cups. Hey, you guys hungry? Look what I got today. Boom. The thing that happened here is now out there. Mm-hmm. And it's so much bigger than a $2.50 bag of chocolate peanut butter cups. That's just the vessel of goodness that could happen by just some little act of me being nice to somebody and being kind and saying their name and looking them in the eyes and asking them how they're doing, asking them what they're grateful for. And then of course, sneaking in the, well, what's your favorite treat right now? And then I get that for them. And it does that. They smile. They do exactly what you just did. They laugh. They smile. The manager sees the manager sees me come into the store now, and he knows what's going to happen. He always comes up and says, "Hey, how you doing?" and shakes my hand because I'm like I keep I'm one of the many people, hopefully, that help keep the morale of that place going. Yeah, to make them feel a little bit better about their day. Just some random dude that shows up about every two or three weeks. I, I'm glad that you brought in the the signature Uncle Vince uh, move, <laughs> Trader Joe's. I was hoping we could get. Holy to- man, it's like oh. I want everybody to do that. I don't. I yeah. want to walk in and I want to be the guy second in line. I want to see the guy or the woman in front of me do that. Because uh-huh. then I'm going to smile and go, "Fuck yeah, that's great." Yeah. And that's medicine. That's the ultimate. That. That's the ultimate medicine, right? Is that's what we're here for is, is unconditional love. That's what this entire right. simulation, I'm convinced. And I've seen it like this. That's, that's what we're here for. It's, it's to step into that role. Can mm-hmm. we be the hero mm-hmm. of our own story? Can yeah. we step into love? Can we step out of fear? Can we step out of this, this uh, inward focused, woe is me, mm-hmm. whatever, like looking into the black holes within ourselves and actually mm-hmm. step out and, and do something kind for someone else. That is the antidote to the sickness. 100%. And 100%. also just like I'd Thanks. say, just uh, as we're wrapping this up, you know, mm-hmm. I think a big, a big message that you've been speaking to that I just want to reiterate to anyone listening mm-hmm. is you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm only alone. If I tell myself the story I am, if I choose to be, yeah, yeah. I got thousands and thousands of phone numbers. I got mm-hmm. thousands of email. I got friends all over the world who would take a call from me Mm -hmm. in an instant who if i showed up and said hey i need a place to stay they'd open their home in a heartbeat yeah like there wouldn't be a hesitation and they would be so sad if i was suffering and i didn't reach out yeah they would question our connection they would question our friendship yeah and so we can do so much together mm-hmm. we're so much more powerful when we're in our tribe and we invite more people into the tribe we're so much more powerful when we share i'm so much more powerful when i share from my heart when i share what's true and authentic I'm so much more effective. I'll I'll shift the word powerful to effective and inspiring. Mm -hmm. Because that's really what I want to be. I want to be effective. And I really want to inspire everyone to be their best selves. Mm -hmm. And to let go of the things that are keeping them from that. Whatever that is. Whatever that story is you got going on. Yeah. I want... 
This world needs everybody's medicine. Everybody's got some something very special, very beautiful to bring, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's Fox, whether who knows what it is, who knows what everybody's gifted. But everybody's got something to bring. And I know my world is more beautiful and colorful and vibrant and amazing when I'm surrounded with people who bring themselves fully to the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't need ayahuasca for that. I don't need psilocybin for that. Mm-hmm. When those moments happen, wow, that's, that is the medicine. When we say brotherhood is the medicine, and when yeah. I say brotherhood, I mean humanhood. I'm not, I'm not excluding, excluding our sisters or the feminine in any way, shape, or form. Love is the medicine, for sure. Connection yeah. and authenticity and vulnerability and strength. Mm-hmm. There's the place to be water, and there's a place to be a rock. Yeah. And we don't we don't get we don't get a world without both. That's the tree medicine, right? It's it's the strength, roots to the earth, you know, branches to the sky, flexible, swaying with the breeze, and still rock Absolutely. solid. It's, it's still dead. rock solid. That's I'm it. Still here. My roots are deep, and I'm reaching to the sun, and I'm absorbing everything, which means I'm also exposed to the storms. Yeah. I'm also exposed to the lightning. I'm exposed to the bugs. I'm exposed to the woodpeckers. All of it. All of it. <laughs> you know? So what would life be like if I didn't expose myself to all of it? Mm-hmm. The love, the joy, the pain, the suffering, all of it. Because mm-hmm. that's part of it. Yeah, that's what makes us stronger, right? Yeah, for sure. And I just wanted to, to put out there too, you know, for, for those who are listening who may not have a support network, who may not have mm-hmm. a safe space and friendships mm-hmm. and, and people around them who know how mm-hmm. to hold space for these kind of things, mm-hmm. uh, I would urge you to reach out. Mm-hmm, for sure. And for anyone that wants to get in touch with you, Vince, how do mm-hmm. they find you? I'd like, I just want to create a little space for you to share some of your offerings. Mm-hmm. You're working in Sacred Sons, you're in different events as a facilitator. Mm-hmm. You also have this Jedi training that you do every, <laughs> do. every once in a while, right? I do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram for sure. Um, I'm reworking a website right now, so it's not out there at the moment, but it's 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 completely re- getting rebuilt at the moment, which I'm really excited about. Uh, yeah, so if you go out, you can certainly find me on the Sacred Sons website. Uh, I still do work for, uh, for um, the Mankind Project. Uh, I still do some trainings for them from time to time. Um, I do my own work here on my land, uh, again, in the middle of a 270,000-acre nature preserve. Uh, very out, very isolated. Uh, I do the Jedi training every spring. Hopefully we'll start doing that twice a year. Um, so if you find me on Facebook and you find me on Instagram, there's nothing I'm doing you won't know about. Yeah. All right. And I'll include that in the show notes so people can Thank access. You. So. you bet. You bet. Well, Vince, right, it's been such a pleasure having you mm-hmm. on. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Thank you. again for all your medicine, you. for all you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Thank you. You too. Right back at you. Much love.